Welcome to Crossroads Connection. This is a show all about having conversations surrounding life, ministry, and culture. I want to say a quick thank you to our friends at the Truth Network for airing this program. And truly, thank you for taking time out of your day to join us and to listen. I'm Tyler, and I'm joined by Jamie. Jamie, it's great to see you. How are you hey, doing? Hey, Tyler. It's really good to see you, too. I'm good. Yeah, I'm good. good. And it's great to see Andy, who, as always, is joining us. That's right. Good to see both of you. And again, welcome to everybody who are listening right now, wherever you're listening from. It's always our joy and privilege to, as we say, kind of bring you a little bit of uh, joy, a little hope, maybe yeah. a little laughter, and then also some good, solid biblical foundations and encouragement as well at the same time. So uh, great to see both of you. And, you know, this is now we're getting back into the rhythm of being in studio together mm-hmm. at the same time. Face feels to good. Face. It, it does. does. It I missed really it. It, yeah. it is. It's kind of nice to see. You know, I've been noticing that on the drive in in the morning over the last several weeks and even months uh, as we drive in in the morning, you're seeing more and more traffic yeah, and more and more things I happening. I even went to a little town the other night. After I dropped my daughter off for volleyball, went to this little town. I've never been there, you know, nearby Raleigh. And I was amazed at how many people were out and about. And it was yeah. kind of, it was yeah. like, wow, this is, kind of feels yeah. normal. It almost does feel yeah. normal a lot of and the time. It's good. Yeah. Yeah. And we're back in fall. And so whatever your view is on sports, at least some sports are up and running and yeah. <laughs> still kind of confusing as to what's happening all around. <laughs> but, you know, fall is here. Sports are coming back. And, mm-hmm. you know, you start to feel like, yeah, I remember this feeling of, yeah. I remember yeah. this feeling. It feels close feeling. to what yeah. you might expect when fall comes, you know, it's yeah. fall and yeah. That's right. That's yeah. right. So it's kind of good. And at the same time, you know, we're we're moving forward. I think we've all been talking even before we started going on air, we're talking about the mission of the church and mm. the mission not just of the church, but for those of you listening, if you are a Christian, you have a mission. Yep. And I think that when you combine the commandment that we have to love God and love people and combine that with the mission we have to go into the world, we still have purpose, no matter mm-hmm. what's happening in the world around us, no matter what's going on. I know we got election coming up. Oh, joy to that. So mm-hmm. We have all that that comes with. We still have uh, COVID stuff is still happening, figuring school out and jobs and, and uh, racial tension. And, all, all, and then, of course, all our own stuff. On top of that, uh, it can be real easy to feel a little overwhelmed, can it, Jamie? <laughs> it sure can. It can. It, it, really, can. it really can. But if you yeah. pick your head up long enough to realize... In the middle of this, uh, we still have a mission to do, and there's still yeah. something that we're supposed to be doing. I guess I was reminded of this as we were walking through, uh, recently we're walking through uh, the major prophets and now the minor prophets here at Crossroads Fellowship, because guess what? We're in a year of transformation. It started January, and it's been 17 years uh, <laughs> that we are still, and no, it's been not even a year yet uh, that we've been in this transformation, reading through Scripture together. Yep. By the way, I was asked the other day, uh, I'll ask both of you this question too. Uh, somebody asked me the other day, "What has what have you done that has gotten you through to this point spiritually with God? Kept you grounded? Kept you centered?" Mm. And without even thinking, my first response was, "Because my church and I are going through the Bible together." Mm. That was just a true, genuine statement. I'm like, "That's," I, I, as a pastor, I love to say some real like. <laughs> <laughs> big, I've had these visions and this awesome times. No, it's just times of trouble. It's just nice to be reading through scripture together. Yeah. And uh, what about you guys? What about both of you? Yeah. I think, um, you know, this will be a kind of a classic worship pastor answer. Yeah. Um, but <laughs> for me, just some really good personal times 
off of, you know, the platform off of the stage of mm-hmm. worshiping through some mm-hmm. of these songs. There's been a lot of um, good music that has been released recently that has been really mm-hmm. good for me to kind of just be singing in my heart and in my yeah. spirit um, to kind of keep me keep me yeah. grounded and, and, and give me hope and perspective yeah. in everything that we're walking through. I'm going to put you on the spot. What's your go-to song right now? My go-to song, go-to right, now. song right now. Um, one that has been really been speaking to me is a song called probably two. I've really been enjoying some of the stuff that Maverick City Music has been doing. Okay. So there's two. There's Promises, which um, we've done here recently at, at our church. And then another one is is Man of Your Word. Um, mm. Two of those, you can kind of see All the right. theme of there, that what, what yeah. God has said, you know, yeah. the promise he has said, he is, mm. he is a yeah. man of his word and he yeah. will, when he, when he promises something, mm. he's going to do it. So it's just been Love really that. good for me to kind of rest in that truth. Yeah. I think early on, everybody's go-to was Carrie Job's uh, The Blessing. The Blessing. It's true. Yeah. It, Carrie, it was Carrie yeah. Job, right? Yes. Yeah, yeah, Carrie Job, The Blessing. And that mm-hmm. one still is a powerful, powerful one. I know our church jumped on that early on. and You really yeah. saw God at work when they wrote that yeah. song before all this happened. And, yeah. it, and it comes out yeah. when this started. Oh, it was like was very, very perfect. good timing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. What about you, Jamie? Yeah. Um, How, what have so you done we, to keep you centered So during quarantine, like, so yes, being in his word, but also the extreme additional amount of time I had to just spend with him. There was Mm -hmm. a season during quarantine where I even told my kid, like I needed to be distraction free. And there would be some days that I would just spend, be able to spend hours with him. And there was a little season where I told my kids, my closet is my prayer closet. And I'm going to sometimes go in there because I need to not be distracted. (laughs) But there would, there would be certain days where I could just spend hours with him in his presence, whether it was worshiping, whether it was in his word or whether it was just in prayer and unlike any time before in my life, where yeah. when would we have that amount of time, inter- uninterrupted time to just spend with him? So mm-hmm. there were some days during quarantine that that if it was really hard and overwhelming emotionally to be processing what we were going through, that I might yeah. just spend nearly the full day just with yeah. him. And so that was huge. And Waymaker, yeah. Waymaker was my oh, song. Okay. Oh, yeah. It was my song, along with The Blessing. Yeah. 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 So, you know, if you're listening right now, I, I hope that you find a little encouragement and even in the middle of all this, that we can find centerness and uh, get back to who we are in Christ. And sometimes it's just going back to the fundamentals. Get to your prayer closet yep. and just pray. Yep. Open up the Bible and just read it. Put on some worship music and just listen to it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's amazing how those sometimes uh, come across as very simple, but are very, very powerful and very deep, not to lose sight of that. So as we've been walking through Scripture, one of the things that uh, has really been, I think, you know, everything's in God's timing. The The reason why we started this transformation journey as a church and where we're reading, I don't think it's any accident that we're reading through Jeremiah, Lamentations, Ezekiel, Daniel during this time right now. And of course, you got a lot of, um, you know, Jeremiah, the weeping prophet and Lamentations, a book of weeping and mm-hmm. Ezekiel, uh, a captive priest and prophet uh, who's prophesying. But the reality is here these guys are, and they are in a captive state, and they're seeing their nation um, basically being invaded and taken away, and they're writing at the same time. They're writing the hardships that they're going through. They're writing the captivity. You know, I mean, just think about what they did. So the Babylonians would come in, and they would take people that were you know young, up-and-coming, strong, whatever, had potential, and they would take them to their land and indoctrinate them with their teachings and their ways. And that's what's happening. So they're taking this captive group. Ezekiel's one of them, and Daniel's one of them, and takes them. Daniel goes at age 16. Ezekiel's around 30. And they go to indoctrinate them. But 
you see both Ezekiel and Daniel, and even before Jeremiah is watching the city uh, struggle, that at the same time that they are spelling out the realities of what's happening, at the very same time, they're very hopeful of what God still has promised. We were talking about God's promises before. Yeah. It's, it's pretty wonderful that as you read through the Old Testament, God is continually going back to, hey, I remember I told you, I promised you land. I promised you that I would be your God and you'd be my people. I promised you that I would keep you safe and give you peace, but you got to do your part, which is simply follow my ways, walk in my statutes and obey me. You do that, I'll do my part, you do your part. And so, but mm-hmm. what do we see? We see we see the Hebrew people, just like us, mm-hmm. fall away from that. There's sin that enters, there's corruption that comes in. And so God, there's judgment, right? Yeah. There's captivity, there's judgment, there's consequences, but then there's redemption. Yeah. And this beautiful book of redemption is what we're experiencing right now. And I think in many ways, you know, I'm not I'm not throwing the the prophetic hat on or it's just like that, but right now in many ways. We're feeling a lot of that. We're feeling, we're seeing the hopelessness. We're seeing the businesses go under. People have hardships, you know, people losing their jobs. Uh, churches are struggling, you know, families are struggling, kids are struggling. And you're seeing all that. And I guess what I want to do is bring us up to the next level and say, yeah, but in the middle of this, there's still hope. In the middle of this, there's still a job for us to do. In the middle of this, there's still a calling on what we are. And really, that's what we've been doing, walking through that. And not that long ago, I preached a message that I was very passionate about called Awake and Revive. And really the heart of this Awake and Revive comes out of Ezekiel. And it's really Ezekiel as we study the Ezekiel and the Valley of the Dry Bones and the whole thing there. And we're going to listen to some of that here in just a moment. But I wanted to read a quick paragraph from Christianity Today, and then we can go ahead and listen to part of the sermon Uh, that I think sets up the reasoning for this and the problem we're facing now. So here we go from Christianity Today. It says, The main problem with the contemporary church is not that some are saying God is dead, nor that the redemptive thrust of the gospel has been dulled by overemphasis on social action, or even that theologians, ministers, or people in the pews are hanging on crepe. The problem is that the person in the pew has lost interest in doing anything Anything about the main challenges confronting the church today, that's a good statement. Mm. And then here we go. Here's the church's weakest link, those who confess Christ and then do nothing for him. Mm. To me, that is the problem. That's the bigger problem is that, is that the bigger problem is not all the external stuff happening around us. It's that the Christian church doesn't do anything about it. And we got a bunch of people who are confessing Christ that say that they're a follower of Christ, but they're doing nothing for him. And at the end of the message, I hit it really hard with comparing two passages, one in 2 Timothy and one in 1 Corinthians. But I want you to listen to it, though, because I think mm-hmm. the I think the passion that came out in this message uh, is worth listening to. And so, yeah, so Awaken Revive. So wherever you are, I hope that you can uh, get excited and, uh, and kind of have that awakening and revival spirit that God's not done with us yet. Awesome. Well, I can't wait to hear this quick clip from Awake and Revive, but let's hear a word from our sponsor and then we'll get into the sermon clip. Perhaps you've asked yourself this question. Are you running the business or is the business running you? How might your teams grow if your teams were driving the business forward instead of you? You are sitting on a wealth of untapped opportunity. It takes courage to learn how to create a culture where your people are truly empowered to own their seats. My name's Cheryl Scanlon, business and executive coach. Working together, we'll go straight to your core challenges to sort through competing demands and realign to your highest priorities for measurable results. 
visit c3advantage.net. That's c3advantage.net. Can this come back to life? What God's asking me is, can I do the impossible? Can God do the impossible? And I'm just here to remind you that we serve a God that specializes in the impossible. Amen, church? Come on, somebody. Can God do the impossible? Can he do the impossible in your life? We serve a God that specializes in creating something absolutely amazing out of nothing by just speaking it into existence. I think sometimes we lose the awe and the wonder of this God that can do the impossible. And we look at our own lives and we say, well, maybe he can't do it in my life. Maybe he can do it in somebody else's life. I'm telling you, God can do the impossible. God can restore your marriage. He can restore your life. He can restore your hope and your grace and your mercy, all those things in your life, that God can do the impossible. And again, I just wonder if we forget sometimes that as the church, as the bride of Christ, that we serve a God that not only specializes in it, but longs to do it, that longs to do miracles in our life, that longs to bring dead things back to life. Come on, church, amen? I told you, by the time you get here, you're going to get it by the time you leave here this morning. He does the impossible. And hopefully, like Ezekiel, I'm here just to remind you of that. Because maybe you've lost sight of that. Maybe in all of your stuff, everybody's got stuff, we all have stuff, compounded by all the stuff we're being shoved by the media, by all the stuff happening this season, I think sometimes we lose sight of the fact that God does the impossible that God can still do the impossible, that our life doesn't have to be dead and disgraced and dry. And I think that one of the things that is affecting the American Christian church, quite honestly, are just a bunch of Christians that look alive on the outside but are dead on the inside. Which brings to point number two, which is this, which is an awakening. An awakening is what happens as a result of speaking the Word of God. Just watch this, because the first thing that that Ezekiel is posed with, he's posed with a question, can these bones live? And Ezekiel's response is a great response, I don't know, only you know God. So then God does something amazing, he says, okay, Ezekiel, then I want you to speak. Did you catch this? God didn't need Ezekiel to speak, God chose Ezekiel to speak and to speak his word. In Ezekiel 37, verse 4, he says, then he said to me, prophesy over these bones and say to them, dry bones here the word of the Lord. Thus says the Lord God of these bones, Behold, I will cause breath to enter you, and you will live. I will lay sinews upon you and will cause flesh to come upon you and cover you with skin and put breath in you, and you will live, and you will know that I am the Lord your God. See, what I love about this is that Ezekiel is challenged with sharing the word of God, just sharing God's word. Just speak, Ezekiel, what I've told you, to speak and stand back and watch what I can do. The speaking of the word of God. And God does something amazing. His breath, the ruah, the Hebrew word ruah, is an amazing word. It not only stands for the breath of human life, of our life, it also represents the spiritual breath that enters people. The spiritual breath that gives life and power from God. In other words, it's an active word. It's an active breath. It's active air. It's air in motion. It's not just this this word that speaks and falls off the edge. This is a a spiritual word. This is a God's breath that is entering mankind, not just to come alive, but to truly live. 
And I'm just here to tell you that if you want to truly live, it's not enough just to know about God. It's not enough just to be a good moral person. If you want to truly live, you got to allow that ruah, that spirit of God to enter your life, to give you life. Come on, church. This is what we need. If we want to see transformation happen in you, in your family, in the city, it has got to be by the power of the Spirit, not just because you're a good person, not just because you can argue well, not just because you're persuasive, but because you are awoken to the Holy Spirit fire and power inside of you. And that's how this world changes. It reminds me of uh, Scripture in Hebrews 4.12. It talks about this word right here that we have in our hand, this word. It says it this way, that the Word of God is living and it's active. This Bible in my hand that you have, this is the Word of God. And I just can't help but think that God is saying the same thing to us. Hey, could you just speak this word? Can you just give this scripture? Can you just give somebody a good news gospel message where you are? Not make the gospel of Andy or the gospel of Crossroads or the gospel under your name, but under God's powerful name that this message, do we trust this message to be powerful? Listen, this word we hold in our hand, this is the power. It says it cuts through the joints and the marrows. It cuts deep into our souls and to our mind. It's this word right here, the word that we have, the same word that Ezekiel spoke from God. Ezekiel spoke this. So what would happen? Just think what would happen for a moment if you and I would preach the gospel message and not our message. If we wouldn't take it and twist it, if we wouldn't make it fit what we feel is true, if we wouldn't allow our emotions to dictate our doctrine and our theology, but if we would just simply stand on God's word and preach his word and not apologize for it. Listen, there's way too many Christians in this world that's apologizing for calling sin, sin. How ridiculous is this? That we're apologizing because we're saying, this is what God says is sin. I'm sorry, I can't say it. It's going to offend you. Well, guess what? The gospel's offensive. It is. But it's true. And instead what happens is we want to just soft. We want to, listen, I, I know, hey, I know we shouldn't live this way, but listen, it's okay because God loves you. It's okay. You can choose the lifestyle you want to choose even if it's against this scripture, well, because, you know, God's going to forgive you and he loves you, right? Great. The, the forgiveness part and the mercy part, love it all day long. But for too long, we just allow people, people in our workplace and in our lives, people in our own families, and we're so afraid to offend somebody that instead of speaking truth in love, by the way, listen, let's call it that, right? One of the greatest commandments we have is to love God and love people, doesn't mean you be a jerk to somebody because they're sinning, right? That's not what we're saying. doesn't mean you yell at somebody and hit them upside the head. But if we're just so afraid, we're so afraid to offend. We're so afraid to offend culture. we got all this cancel culture happening around us. We walk on eggshells, and we don't have to. If people want to get upset with me because I'm preaching the gospel, then let them get upset. It doesn't mean I hate people. It doesn't mean you hate somebody. It doesn't mean, in fact, it means you love them. If we love somebody, why wouldn't we preach truth to them? Why wouldn't we tell them that the path they're on is sin and it's going to get deeper into sin it's going to lead them astray? It doesn't have to be a fight. It doesn't have to be an argument. But if people are going to get woke up to their spiritual condition, it's got to come from this Word of God. It's got to come from us. Which leads to number three is this, the third point. 
Awakening of God's Spirit leads always to revival. To revival. And not just a revival, but a revival into a great army. In Ezekiel 37 and verse 7, Ezekiel does what the Lord says. He says, I prophesied as I was commanded. I love that word commanded. Guess what? There's a commandment that you and I need to follow. And the commandment is this. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, and mind, and love your neighbor as yourself. Yeah, we want to argue over all this other stuff. We can't even get that first and most important one right. We have a commandment. You've got to love people. And we have a commission, which is to go. And what happens if we put those two things together? That we're commissioned to go. We're not commissioned to go to fight. We're commissioned to go to love. It's amazing what would happen. It says, I prophesied, and there was a sound and a rattling, and bones came together, bone to its bone. And I looked, and behold, there were sinews on them. Flesh had come upon them, and skin had covered them. Watch this, though. There was no breath in them. Then he said to me, prophesy to the breath. Say to the breath, come from the four winds, breathe, and breathe on the slain that they may live. So I prophesied as he commanded me, and the breath came into them, and they lived, and they stood to their feet, an exceedingly great army. One of the first things that capture our attention is, even though they looked like they were alive, they were not alive until the breath of God entered them. They weren't alive until God's breath entered them. They looked alive. You can imagine that scene, by the way, having that vision. We saw all these bones coming together and tendons come on them and skin come on them, and all of a sudden they're there, but they're still laying there. They're still dead. There's no breath. There's no life. But then again, God said, prophesy that my breath, my living, active breath would enter them. And when he did that, they stood up a vast army. Can you imagine that sight? The hope that would have came back to this priest and this prophet saying Israel is not lost, hope is not lost. And it's because God's breath entered them. I want to show you this in two New Testament passages that I, I think just paint just a, a wonderful picture of what I'm trying to communicate this morning. In 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 1 to 5, I think it's one of the best right now passages in the New Testament. To me, this, this describes what's going on right now in real time. It goes like this. Understand this. In the last days, there will come times of difficulty. People will be lovers of self, lovers of money, proud, arrogant, abusive, disobedient to their parents, ungrateful, unholy, heartless, unappeasable, slanderous, without self-control, brutal, not loving good, treacherous, reckless, swollen with conceit, Lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God. Does that sound anything like what we're going through right now? Now watch this last verse. This last verse to me summarizes the whole heartbeat behind what I'm trying to communicate. Having the appearance of godliness, but be not denying its power. Listen, I'm telling you right now that one of the greatest enemies right now in the church, in the contemporary church of America, is that right there. There are way too many people who claim to know Christ and have a form of godliness but no power. There's no power. Good, moral people living a good, moral life with no power. You want to know how we see revival happen? You and I walk in power. That's how we see it happen. You want to know how to transform the triangle and the world? then instead of just arguing with somebody, you go across the hallway and you lay hands on somebody that's sick and you pray for them and God does a miracle and heals them in the office place. That's how you see revival happen. 
Students, you want to see revival in your hallway? Don't try to just blend in and merge in and just, just become a norm like everybody else. You stand up for Christ and you preach the gospel to your friends in your school and you see revival happen because there's salvations happening in public high schools. That's how we see revival. Listen to this verse. I'm going to contrast it with 1 Corinthians. 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 1 to 5 says it this way. This is Paul writing among all theologians, wrote majority of the New Testament, brilliant man. I want you to listen to the words that he writes. Just, just watch this. He says, when I came to you, I did not come proclaiming to you the testimony of God with lofty speech or wisdom. Other verses say with persuasive words. He said, I decided to know nothing among you except Jesus Christ and him crucified. And I was with you in weakness and in fear and in much trembling. And my speech and my message were not with plausible words of wisdom or persuasive words, but in demonstration of the Spirit and power, that your faith might not rest in men, but in God. I'm telling you, this is what will transform it. Our hope I don't care what side you're on. Your hope is not your political party. Your hope is not your boss. Your hope is not your finances. Your hope is not even the person next to you. The hope that will change, if we want to see change happen, if we want to see transformation happen, it will not happen by Christians arguing on social media. It will not happen by you just trying to be smarter than everybody else and having a better argument than anybody else. That's not how change will happen. Now, it's important. It's good. I'm not saying we don't use our voice. But again, if you want to see true change happen, which I don't know anybody in this room that wouldn't say that something's got to change. This world is getting worse and worse and worse. Sin is rampant. And yet the giant sleeps because we're afraid to offend. And yet the church, this beautiful, wonderful bride of Christ, instead of showing the world how beautiful she is, we hide in the dark because we're afraid to get ridiculed. But church, what would happen if we flipped that? What would happen if you and I left here today? If we left here today proclaiming the good news of Jesus? Thank you for joining and listening to our program today. And thank you to Crossroads Fellowship and the Truth Network for making this show possible. You can find out more information about Crossroads Fellowship at crossroads.org. If this show has impacted you, we'd love to hear from you. You can contact us at info at crossroads.org. Thank you to C3 Advantage for sponsoring this program. We look forward to having you join us on the next show. Your success as a leader hinges upon buy-in from your teams, clear and consistent communication from you, and strategic delegation. My name's Cheryl Scanlon. C3 Advantage helps you steward your most valuable resource well, improve retention, grow employee engagement, and generate higher team and individual ownership. The success of your organization begins with you and depends on your team. Go deeper as a leader and watch your organization go further. Visit c3advantage.net at c3advantage.net.